major lessons from minor prophets. Today, I know it's, it's, it's mine. I know it's yours too, your favorite book in the Old Testament, Nahum. Um, you know, I, I tell you, when, whenever I need just a little comfort and a little encouragement, I, there's nothing I like better than to curl up and read the book of Nahum. Uh, it's, just, uh, it's just special. It really is, and I'm sure it is for you. Um, not. Not. Uh, it's, it's not comforting, but it, it is, but it is comforting. There, we'll, we'll see that it's both disturbing but also hopeful. That's, that's, kind of, that's the way all the minor prophets are. Uh, it's disturbing, but it's also hopeful, and you'll see what I mean when we get there. You ever, uh, how many of y'all have watched the World War II miniseries Band of Brothers? Raise your hand if you've seen Band of Brothers. Got a few. I've got, got a few. Uh, uh, it's a 10-part series that follows a company of soldiers as they fight the war against Hitler and the Axis powers in World War II. Uh, and you follow this company from, from boot camp all the way to D-Day to uh, victory in Europe. Uh, a very well done, uh, if you like that kind of, of story, very done series. In the series, uh, there's one episode near the end where they get their first glimpse of the concentration cap camps um, in, uh, in Europe, um, which is, of course, one of the darkest evil parts of that war and the Nazis. Um, and during this episode, it kind of builds up to when they get to these camps uh, during the episode, they're, they're fighting with each other, and they're arguing, uh, and they're asking, they're wondering, why are we even here? What, what, what's the purpose of all of this? Uh, they're scared, they're hurting, they're hungry, they're traumatized, they're homesick. Um, they're, uh, for what? Why, why have they had to go through all this? Some of, their, some of their buddies have been killed. What are they doing there? And then, at the end... They come to these prison camps. Uh, they see these innocent civilians. They're starving. They're dying. And, and all of a sudden, it becomes very clear why they're there. Uh, they are bringing justice uh, to something that's very evil. Justice to something that's very evil. As they relieve these poor people from these horrible camps. You know, justice is something that most everybody wants. I want it. You want it. Um, uh, when we see evil, when we see wrongdoing around us, uh, our instinct is, is, is that something's got to be done to make it right. What, 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 what can we do to make this injustice, this wrong, right, to make it fair uh, for everybody? Whether it be me or maybe some person in authority, in uh, power like a judge or, <clears throat> or a, a law enforcement. You know, we've got to make it right. Who can make this right? Justice is, is when we find fair or just behavior, fair or just treatment of people for everybody, not just certain people. Um, and aren't our conversations often filled with opinions about what is just and what is not just, what is unjust in this world? Because we care about justice being served. It's kind of a human nature thing. So as in the 1930s and the 40s, you know, we look around our world today and we see um, that injustice still exists today. People who aren't being treated right, who aren't being treated fair. Um, uh, people throughout the world that are being treated wrongly because evil men 
and women uh, only care about two things, really, uh, power and wealth. And whatever it takes to get power and wealth, it doesn't matter what happens to people as long as they get what they want. And that the result of that is injustice to people. Um, let's just start with the obvious. I think, I think I can safely say that we're all familiar with our court system, right? We've, how many of y'all have been on court, jury duty? Uh, yeah, we've, we've, most of us have done that. Um, uh, we, we know about judges and juries and lawyers and, and uh, laws, procedures that are designed to do what? To promote and to distribute justice. That's what the court system is for, the justice system is for. And most civil societies have some kind of system, even the bad ones, have some kind of system uh, who have hired or elected officials who specialize in justice. Now, they're not always good at it, and they're not even honest at it sometimes. Uh, you know, there are flaws in any justice system. There's flaws, certainly, in our justice system. Uh, but uh, the reason those systems exist is because we don't want evil to be unpunished, to go unpunished, do we? And so we have these systems to help make things right. Uh, we want to take steps to restore things to what is right. So from childish mistakes to, uh, you know, like, uh, uh, who stole my, my cookie uh, or my piece of cake, to, uh, to world wars, <laughs> uh, Nazi concentration camps, and everything in between, justice is, is on our minds. It's on our minds. And, and it's no coincidence uh, that it's on our minds because we serve a, a God who's a God of justice. And, and we are made in his image. He cares about justice. And so even though we stumble around it, we don't always get it right. You know, justice is a quality that we should strive for because God strives for it. It's important to him, too. Um, and not our own justice, what we think is just, but to strive for what God says is just. That's uh, what we should, should strive for. So when we learn of, of children being stolen and sold into sex slavery, man, we want justice, right? That's not right. We want justice for that. Uh, when we learn of an innocent person being killed, even an unborn uh, child be, being killed, we want justice for that. Um, we want it set right. When someone steals our identity uh, or, or steals our bicycle, <laughs> we, want, we want justice for that. I, when uh, somebody stole my son Jason's bicycle one time, man, it, it made me so angry, and I, I, I just wanted to find that person. You stole my son's bicycle. I wanted justice. When our friend dies uh, or when a child dies, even though really there's no one person to hold accountable to that. Um, you know, our heart tells us that's just not right. That's not right when that happens. So we turn our heads to God and we cry out, what, what's going on up there? Why did, why did you let that happen? That's not right. right. But somewhere along the way, we, we start to realize that, you know, as much as we want things to be just, uh, uh, we, we, we have little ability to make it happen, don't we? Uh, even our judges sometimes are restricted in giving justice. 
because of things like laws. You know, there's a person that everybody knows is the murderer, right? Did, did the crime, but the judge, judge's hands are tied. He has to let him go because they forgot to read him his rights. <laughs> and so uh, justice is fleeting sometimes, even for people who are in authority to provide justice. Uh, we cling to whatever power that, that we can over things to try to make things right. Uh, and maybe that's why people sometimes get power hungry because they know if they have the power, then they can set the justice in the way they think it should be. Justice is frustrating because we're limited in what we can do uh, to make it right. And so we turn to God. We turn to God, uh, the one who we believe has does have control over all things. And we ask him, you know, God, what's going on up there? Why, why are things so unjust down here? Why don't you do something about it? Make things right. You know, today as we look at the book of Nahum, we're going to try to learn something about God and, and how he deals with evil. With evil. You know, Nahum uh, is... Uh, uh, the, the, the book of Nahum is basically a, an announcement to the Jewish people that an evil empire is getting ready to go down. They're getting ready to go down. Uh, now, this is not a message to the evil empire. It's a message to the captives of this evil empire. Uh, and, and to the captives, it's a message, even though it's a, a message about a lot of destruction, for the, for the captives, it's a message of hope. Uh, but as we read it, uh, we, we need to, we, we, we're going to realize that it's going to make us tremble a little bit because we're going to hear about the wrath of God and how powerful that can be. Um, you know, God is a God of justice. And there's a Hebrew word that you, that we, that's used in the Old Testament when referring to God's justice. I mentioned, mentioned it last week. Um, and this is not the word for Nahum, though. Uh, but that word that I mentioned last week is misfit, misfit. Uh, misfit is the idea that God will restore all things to the way it ought to be. And that's what we want, right? We want things to be restored to the way it ought to be. God's going to make things right. He's going to bring justice. Um, now, now, when you think of justice, you, you, you might think of one thing, right? The judge slams the gavel down and he sentences the person to 10 years in prison or to the electric chair. You know, a lot of times that's what we think about when we think about justice. Um, final justice, the punishment for evil. But misfit is more than just that. Misfit is, is more than just the punishment. The judgment of a God is, is not all that we see in Nahum. Nahum is is about, and we'll talk about that in a minute, Nahum is mostly about the punishment. Uh, but God's just, justice or misfit is more than just, than just that. Uh, it's not always the flood or the lightning strike uh, or the fire from heaven uh, to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. In, in fact, most of the time, most of the time, God's justice is slow. It's slow. It's waiting for people to change, uh, giving people a chance to repent, 
before the hammer comes down. Before the hammer comes down. It's God's patience. You know, how does God deal with evil? Most of the time, God deals with evil with patience and mercy. With, uh, which is great when it comes to me, right, and you. Well, thank, thank you, God, for your patience. For a friend, uh, you know, who, who, when, when we're stubborn about coming back to God and we ignore him, uh, we love God's patience then, don't we? Thank you. Mm, that was close. Uh, but how do we feel when it's not a friend? Uh, when it's those Nazis or, or those, that evil person, those human traffickers that we think of, that we read about and hear about. We don't want God to be patient with them, do we? <laughs> now get them, Lord, get them. We want God to, to bring the hammer down. But that is not God's way. And when we think about ourselves, we're thankful for that, aren't we? We're thankful. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone, anyone to perish. Not even human traffickers. But for everyone to, be, to come to repentance. That's what God wants. And he's willing to wait a little while for that to happen. Now, there's a quality of God that, that, that he that has always had. And, and it's a good quality, right? It's a good quality. Um, um, but when we witness evil that's around us, um, evil summons what? A negative emotions, uh, depression, despair, anger, frustration. You know, why do you let this happen, Lord? Why are you waiting to get these bad people and to take care of them? Why are you letting it go unpunished? Why don't you deal with injustice, God? There's a word, an element of God's justice, judgment, his misfit, that's going to be our word for the day. Our word, we've had a word for all the, the minor prophets, and I'll give you that in just a minute for Nahum. But let's review our word so far. What was the word for Joel? Locust. What was the word for Obadiah? Obadiah was what? Petra. Petra, the, the city in the mountains. Uh, last week, what was the word for Micah? Restoration. God's going to restore all things through Jesus. Okay, today's word is a Hebrew word. So we're getting a Hebrew lesson today. You can say, I learned some Hebrew today. Uh, and the word is Dean. Dean. Uh, Dean is pronounced, um, D-I-Y-N is pronounced Dean, like Dean Owens, uh, our former youth minister. Um, uh, so that's our word for today. Now, uh, an element of God's judgment and, the, judgment and the one that Nahum talks about is Dean. Dean. Dean is when God drops the hammer. <laughs> Dean is when God brings the punishment. His patience is done, and now he brings the punishment. Um, so if you were tired of God showing mercy, uh, if, if you're tired of God giving them another chance, and you want evil to be swiftly and conclusively dealt with, what you're hoping for is Dean. Dean is one of God's tools for justice. It's his wrath. It's his wrath. Um, Israel had, had been held captive by an evil empire. 
Uh, and for a while, God was patient with the evil empire. But for a long time, now Israel was, was had enough, and they'd been, there, been under their power long enough, and he wanted them, Israel wanted them to be dis- destroyed. Um, you know, can, God, can't you just end this, this evilness? You know, mercy and deen. That's how God deals with evil. Got mercy, but then finally there's deen. Let's see what can happen about God's justice. A major lesson from the minor prophet of Nahum. The book of Nahum is similar to the book of Obadiah that we looked at two weeks ago. uh, In that this Jewish prophet is declaring God's judgment on another nation other than Israel. Uh, And you remember, who was the nation that Obadiah talked about? Edom, the Edomites, Esau's descendants, remember. Uh, But this one's different. Uh, uh, Nahum is different from Obadiah in that um, uh, Obadiah was written to the Edomites, but Nahum is written to the Israelites about the Assyrians. The Assyrians, the evil nation of Assyria. Assyria was a vile, disgusting nation, people. Um, The the Assyrians made the Nazis look like kittens. They were so evil. Assyria is best known by their capital, Nineveh. You might have heard of that story from the story of Jonah. Um, They were so evil. They were so bad that that the godly prophet Jonah, when God told him to go to Nineveh, the capital of Assyria, and preach repentance to them, to call them to repent and turn back to God, Jonah ran from God. He didn't want to go and preach that message. Jonah didn't want to tell Nineveh to to repent. Why didn't Jonah want to tell Nineveh to repent? Because he was afraid He was afraid that God would forgive them for how evil they've been. If they repented, he knew God would would forgive them. He knew about God's mercy. He knew about God's patience. Um, And Nineveh was so bad um, that uh, the the, the prophet uh, was afraid that God would not destroy them, but would forgive them. And ultimately, what happened? You know, Jonah got swallowed by the fish. He got spit out and finally said, okay, okay, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go. And he went and he preached repentance to uh, the Assyrians in Nineveh. And what happened? They repented. They repented and God forgave them. And Jonah was so upset about that. Because they deserved punishment, didn't they? He thought. So that's 150 years. Jonah was 150 years before the book of Nahum. Um, so for reference, if Nahum was written today, Jonah's story would be back during the Civil War. So kind of put that in perspective. So a lot of times passed since God forgave Nineveh, the Assyrians, um, and maybe they did repent for a while, but it didn't, la- it didn't last very long, and it wasn't long before they had returned back to their old evil, evil ways. And by this time, uh, Israel was, was tired of God's patience. All right, enough of the patience, God. They wanted to be rescued, and they wanted Assyria to be destroyed. Uh, you know, Nahum's, Nahum is a, a scary book because it's about God's destruction and wrath. 
But for Israel, Nahum's message was finally the hope, the hope that they longed for. Uh, God is finally bringing Dean. Let's read a little bit about what's going to happen to Assyria, to Nineveh. Nahum chapter 1, verse 2 through 11. The Lord is a jealous and avenging God. The Lord takes vengeance and is filled with wrath. The Lord takes vengeance on his foes and vents his wrath against his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger, but great in power. The Lord will not leave the guilty unpunished. His way is in the whirlwind and the storm, and clouds are the dust of his feet. He rebukes the seas and dries it up. He makes all the rivers run dry. Bashan and Carmel wither, and the blossoms of Lebanon fade. The mountains quake before him, and the hills melt away. The earth trembles at his presence, the world and all who live in it. Who can withstand his indignation? Who can endure his fierce anger? His wrath is poured out like fire. The rocks are shattered before him. The Lord is good, a refuge in time of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him. But with an overwhelming flood, he will make an end of Nineveh. He will pursue his foes into the realm of darkness. Whatever they plot against the Lord will, will bring to an end. He will bring to an end. Trouble will not come a second time. They will be entangled among thorns and drunk from their wine. They will be consumed like dry stubble. From you, Nineveh, has one come forth who plots evil against the Lord and devises wicked plans. Ooh, that doesn't sound good at all for Nineveh. The hammer is dropping. It's going to be earthquakes, floods, fire, darkness. Uh, it sounds like a bad thing. Well, it is a bad thing for Nineveh. It is a bad thing for Assyria. Assyria. But normally, uh, you know, we, we think of a message like that as, as bad. But listen to verse 15, uh, what this disaster sounds like to the Israelites. Verse 15, look, there on the mountains, the, feast, the feet of one who brings good news. This is good news to Israel this message of a serious disaster means freedom for God's people. And that's good. We see that, that very phrase in the New Testament many times. In Romans, uh, for example, you know, uh, the great or wonderful or the greater are those, the feet of those who bring good news. Um, the gospel is the good news of Jesus. Uh, and, and while there will be some that will suffer and be punished, because of Jesus, there's going to be freedom for those who proclaim Jesus as their Savior. And that's good news. Nahum's message of disaster for Nineveh is good news. Um, now, the, it, might, it might seem like a conflict in our minds sometimes, the idea of disaster or God's wrath being good news. And again, it's, it, it's not good news for those who, who are going to experience God's wrath. And we also think uh, sometimes about... Uh, um, uh, uh, the fact that I, I've often, when I'm reading the Old Testament and, and God destroyed a whole city, you know, just wiped it out, and, and that always includes the men, but also women and children. Have you ever thought about that and go, oh, man, I hate that. I hate that. People are involved in God's punishment. Even, even when Jesus comes back, 
there's going to be a lot of good people that don't know Jesus that are, that are going to spend eternity in hell. And we think, oh, man, I hate that. You know, and so the fact of God's wrath is, is kind of disturbing for us sometimes when we think about who will be involved in that. Uh, but uh, remember, uh, this is what we've got, we've got to always keep in mind. God's wrath is always associated with destroying evil. Because before salvation and restoration and hope can come, evil must be destroyed. Before Israel could be restored, the evil had to be eliminated. And that's not a pretty picture. Um, But one thing we can always know about God is, whatever he does in his punishment, in his deen, it's always perfect. It's always perfect. God knows exactly when to administer it, how, and how to do it, and how to do it. Uh, and that's one of the amazing things that, that Nahum teaches us about God. It's one of the things that makes God so powerful. You know, God, first he waits. He waits for people to repent like the Ninevites. Um, even though he has the power to bring the hammer right now, he doesn't. He waits, and he waits But then when it's time, he knows. And we can know that when he does it, it's time. It's perfect. Imagine if you and I had the power of Dean. How how would we use it? How would we determine it? Um, uh, it, it, We'd be throwing around judgment here and there. Oh, you're, you're destroyed, you're destroyed, you're destroyed. But what would that be motivated by? A lot of times it'd be motivated by anger, sinful anger and revenge rather than trying to eliminate evil or on the flip side and we'd abuse that and we'd mess that up or on the flip side uh we would be hesitant oh but there's women and children and oh oh but they they're so they're nice and they're good people really you know and we'd have a hard time um administering justice because we're imperfect and we're human but god is not god is perfect and god does it perfectly he waits. He's slow to anger. He doesn't just react on, on, on the, by throwing a temper. No, he's slow to anger. But when the time is right and the judgment is pure, he lets the hammer fall. <laughs> he lets the hammer fall. And we can always know it's the perfect reaction because he's the perfect judge. Yes, for Israel, this is, this is a message of celebration. Freedom is coming. Evil finally is being destroyed. Restoration, justice, misfit, misfit. And remember, God, God did this sort of thing to Israel too. You know, they're, they're, they didn't escape their evil. They never, they never escaped their evil. Um, in fact, the reason that they were in captivity to Assyria, this evil nation, was because of their evil. Because they had turned away from God. Uh, and so they had their share of punishment as well. But this time, it's Nineveh's turn. It's Assyria's turn. Uh, God has turned his eyes on them. Let's look at chapter 3, verse 18 and 19. King of Assyria, your shepherds slumber, your nobles lie down to rest. Your people are scattered on the mountains with no one to gather them. Nothing can heal you. Your wound is fatal. 
All who hear the news about you clap their hands at your fall. For who has not felt your endless cruelty? I encourage you to go read, uh, curl up somewhere, you know, in a nice comfortable chair and, and read the book of Nahum this week uh, to the whole, the whole three. It's only three chapters, um, but it elaborates on, on their evil ways and, and on how God is putting an end to it. And, and, and it's just a picture of our God, who's the God of love and mercy, but he's also a God of wrath. The message of Nahum, uh, the good news of God's wrath. So what does this mean for you and me? What, what, is, a, what is our take home from the book of Nahum? Uh, we aren't Israel and we aren't Nineveh, are we? Or maybe we're both. <laughs> maybe we're both. But either way, what lessons is in it, lesson is in it for us? Well, one of the best things that we can get from this book is to learn about God and who he is. So let's, let's learn two lessons about God from Nahum. The first one is this. Take comfort. Take comfort. Evil will be met with the vengeance of God. Evil will be met with the vengeance of God. You know, we started today by, by being reminded of, of how evil exists. And it creates in us a desire for justice, right? Right? Uh, but the disparaging reality is that most of us have little power to bring it. You know, we're just helpless when we see injustice. You know, how, how often have we laid in bed and, uh, or, or we're sitting there watching TV and we see the evil that's around us and we shake our heads at the injustice because there's nothing we can do about it. There's nothing we can do about it. Uh, one of the things that's happened recently that I shake my head about is I see all over the country um, uh, uh, pro-life uh, clinics and centers, uh, people who care about women found in crisis pregnancies and care about their babies and just want to help them. That's all they want to do is help them and save lives. Um, those, those centers have been firebombed and destroyed, and nobody's done anything about it. They're not investigating it. They're not raiding them with SWAT teams. They're just letting it go. Oh, they're just those crazy Christian people. Well, maybe we'll get around to it. But then you got a handful of people who, boy, their crime was terrible. They went to an abortion clinic and prayed and sang hymns. And, and SWAT teams with rifles and, and bulletproof vests come to their house and knock on the door to knock it down and grab the husband who prayed and sang hymns and throw shackles on him and handcuffs and drag him off in front of his wife and children because he prayed. He prayed. And we look at that and we go, that's just not right. God, that ain't right. Where is justice? And we feel helpless. One thing we can do is vote. <laughs> go vote. Go vote for somebody that wouldn't let that happen that wouldn't let that happen. Every, anybody who commits a crime should be punished, no matter who they are or which side they're on. Even the most powerful influence among us often has little power for, for justice. It's a humbling and potentially demoralizing reality. But when you read a book like Nahum, uh, we have this reminder. Chapter 1, verse 3. The Lord is slow to anger, but great in power. The Lord will not leave the guilty unpunished. 
Now, we need to approach this with caution, as uh, I think Chuck was saying uh, in, uh, in his lesson, um, uh, we, or his, his, his meditation, his meditation. Um, we're guilty too. We're just as guilty of sin as anybody else, as anybody else. Uh, and if it was not for the grace of God, we would have to face God's wrath. So just always remember that. We're, we're, we're great at pointing our finger. Look at those evil people. Boy, I tell you, something, something needs to be done. But remember, we're, we're sinners too. And if it's not for God's grace through Jesus, uh, we would be lost too, and we'd face God's wrath. However, there is a comfort in knowing that God is going to make things right. He will. He's promised that he would. Um, he will not leave the guilty unpunished. And one more thing that, uh, about this comfort uh, that we need to keep in mind, and this is also kind of, it can be frustrating, but, we, but, may, but if we think about it rightly, it won't be. We may never see that justice. We, ne we, may, we may never see what the evil that we see punished. We may never see it in our lifetime. You know, there's a good chance that many of the people who celebrated the message of Nahum uh, back in that day, never lived long enough to see Assyria actually being destroyed. Um, you know, for them, it was simply a celebration for their children um, uh, and a celebration of the truth of knowing God's going to be faithful. He promised he's going to take care of these people, and he will. And so they, maybe they went to their grave knowing, I, I didn't see it, but I know it's going to happen. And we can, we can do the same. One reality that, that we must learn to live uh, is taking comfort, even if we never see it. God is going to punish it, even though we may not witness it. So that's the first lesson. Take comfort. Evil will be met with the vengeance of God. The second lesson from Nahum is this about God. Take action, folks. Take action. While God is patient, it, because he's patient, we need to bring the light. We need to bring the light. We need to take action during God's patience. Uh, you know, although we see stories in the Bible of God's wrath, his dean on display, most of history is filled with God being patient. God being patient. Um, the very fact that you and I are sitting here today uh, in peace and comfort in this church building, uh, able to celebrate the grace of God that's been given to us through Jesus Christ, is proof God is being patient. God is being slow to anger. All that stuff on TV that we read about that's making us angry, God's being patient with those people. He's being slow to anger with those people. And because of that, you know, as we live in this evil world, uh, we need to ask, why is God being so patient? Why? Uh, he's waiting for more people to repent. That's why. That's why. So we can do one of two things. We can just sit here and go, oh, at least I'm safe. At least I'm safe. Uh, we can keep our hands crossed or in our pockets, or we could do what God wants us to do. We can get to work. We can get to work. We can make the most of this time that God is being patient with so we can go out and shine the light of Jesus while he still waits uh, into those dark places, share the good news of people with as many people as possible as long as we can so that his patience is not in vain. We don't want to get back up to heaven and, and God says, what, what were you doing all that time? 
you know, just you know, sitting in, in your chair at, on Sunday morning and enjoying a sermon? Is, what, what were you doing? Why weren't you out there taking advantage of my patience? We don't want God to say that to us. And so to keep from him saying that to us, let's take action. Let's see the urgency of getting people, as many people as possible, rescued from their sin. Fellow followers of Jesus, we live in dark times, and they're getting darker and darker every day. But let's take comfort. The darkness will not stay. It will not stay. We have a perfect God who will make things right eventually. The day of the Lord is near. So let's make sure others know about this hope and forgiveness found in the patience of God. Father, I thank you so much for uh, the, the, the message of Nahum. It's, it's a little disturbing <laughs> uh, when we think about your wrath, but it is who you are. You're a God of love, and you so much love us that you gave us your son to die for us. And all we have to do is just put our faith in you and, and become one of your followers. That's all we got to do. And then we don't have to worry about your wrath. Um, but there's a lot of people, and, and most of us here have done that. But there's a lot of people around us, family members, coworkers, neighbors, friends, uh, who don't know about your love and grace and who will have to face your wrath. And so help us, while you're being patient, to take action and, and reach out in any way that we can to, to share your love with them so that they can know the peace and freedom of the, from their sins. Thank you, Father, for this message. Uh, uh, we, we love you, and we, we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.